Welcome to Mystery Outsiders and Apps. I'm Kevin Weir. I'm Aaron Weir, and this is a teen drama crazy cast. Yes, we are in the penultimate episode of Riverdale Season 3. Which has not taken the American Horror Story route and finished off the series just to do all day new mom for the next episode? No. No, no. <laughs> no, instead they set, set up a bunch of new things. They jumped from level <laughs> 7 to level 32. It kind of feels like they were toddling along for like 20 episodes and then they're like, all right, now watch this. <laughs> like, guess what we had up our sleeves this entire time. Do you want to see a sweet kickflip? Because I'll show you a sweet <laughs> kickflip and then it does a kickflip over a... <laughs> flaming tire or something did you know i could do this all along no (laughs) you didn't expect this did you i just seemed like a tiny girl and yet (laughs) and yet and yet and yet (laughs) and yet and yet again (laughs) so one thing i'm gonna say because this is like not episode discussion it's just a crazy thought i had yeah is the lighting in a lot of the scenes made Lily Reinhold's hair look insane. Like, the color just looked so, so (laughs) fake. So I was convinced she was wearing a wig, and they had done pickup shots later. Oh. And so I was just, like, waiting for the moment where her hair got dyed or cut off or something, despite the fact I have her on Instagram. (laughs) Like, I know she's had no crazy hair change, but I was like, where is it? I think it's also because... um, her farm hair is her tucking her hair be- her hair behind both ears. And it just, like, really threw me off. Which is the Polly hair. And the Evelyn hair. And the Evelyn hair. That's In the farm, you tuck your hair behind your ears. Alice doesn't have to do that, though. No, and not Tony either. She just wears that headband all the time. Okay, do we, now here's the thing with Tony, though. She clearly chooses her own clothing for the farm. They cannot stop her. I do like how in this episode, Betty's wearing a farm t-shirt. Yeah. And she is literally the only character other than Evelyn we've ever seen wear the farm t-shirt Yeah, before. no one else does that. But it's like Betty was like, well, I'm here. Well, I also assume that Betty never got to go back... Home? Like, to Veronica's to pick up her stuff. Oh, wherever her clothes are. Why isn't Veronica, throughout this entire episode, ever concerned about Betty, who lives with her? Veronica was also not concerned about Betty when Betty was forcefully uh, put into the Sisters of Quiet Circe. Cersei. Veronica is very clearly only ever in storylines where she can be in charge. (laughs) And this episode has two very different storylines. And also Jughead. (laughs) Oh yeah, no, a bunch of things happen in this episode that are like like, almost unrelated and totally shocking. So many things. (laughs) Prepare for whiplash of tone as you're just like, wah, wah. Ooh. Ooh, what's happening over here? Now, I thought I'd be tired. I thought this would be a challenging episode to record because we <laughs> had surprise Chinese food today. Yeah, yeah, because it was because we, we, we're recording this on uh, Sunday, so it is Mother's Day, and it's going up tomorrow, so... The day after Mother's the Day. The day after Mother's Day. And we did not have Mother's Day today. <laughs> we, did not think, we did not think we were going to have Mother's Day today because our parents were out of town. They just got back in. Our mom was like, oh... No, I, you know, I don't know. We just, we'll, we'll postpone Mother's Day. We'll do it another time. I'm going to be so tired and we'll have just been eating out for a month. So I'm just going to want to, you know. Then about a week ago, she was like, but you know what? I still want you guys to come by on Sunday. Like, come on and we'll talk about the trip we went on. We'll do that. But like, we'll still do Mother's Day later. And then yesterday she was like, and you know what? I don't really want to want to cook food 
because I'm tired. And I'm like, yeah, I wasn't even <laughs> expecting food. I thought you would just come over and hang out. Yeah, I thought we were just visiting you. Um, was you like, so you know what? I think we'll just order Chinese food. Now, here's the thing. Going over to our parents' place, ordering Chinese food and doing that, that is Mother's Day for us. That's what we do on Mother's so Day. We just, so she had refused to use the word Mother's Day but we had Mother's Day today. And so at 11 o'clock last night, I started texting everyone, being like, oh my god, it's Mother's Day. We need to buy gifts. Here's some suggestions. <laughs> she did not tell us it was, but it is now. We thought we had a month to get this in order. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. There's a lack of mothers in this episode. Well, Alice is there, sort of. So, she's in for one episode. Uh, one... Actually, you know who's in this and actually being in, like, oh, yeah, a real Molly good Ring- mother? Molly Ringwald Andrews is in. The problem in. is she's doing the exact same thing that Luke Perry Andrews does. Yeah. So we didn't notice she was there. That's true. That is true. We're just like, hey, there's Archie having some good parents. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, let's get into this episode because we're wrapping right up to the end of this. Because this is Riverdale Season 3, Episode 21. The Dark Secret of Harvest House. The Dark Secret of Harvest House. Now, I was trying to figure out what exactly that was a reference to. The only thing I could find was The Dark Secret of Harvest Home, a 1978 American television thriller miniseries... Uh, that was, that is a, based on the 1973 novel, Harvest Home. Uh, yeah, it's apparently by, like, a guy going to a town and there's, like, weird cult stuff happening. Well, this is also about a girl going into a secret convent and there's weird cult stuff going on. Yeah, it seems very weirdly and also they change from home to house i guess because they always like to do those little changes. also things. it's in quotation marks yeah i i that might be a netflix thing that they just choose random ones to do cart quotation marks it might be might be i can't do that right now i was gonna look it up to see if it said that online too but i can't be bothered yeah anyway so it is called that for some reason and i just wanted to say that but that's not where we begin no we begin with jughead's voiceover and he's retrospecting about the deadliest prom which i was like deadly and then i remember that there were like seven a lot of people died yeah because remember betty just found them as she was running about so, you know, we see a little bit of retrospection, we see a little bit of police work, and then Dr. Jughead, Curdle, Jughead Jr. and FP go to do some interrogation of the coroner. <laughs> like, hang on, you told us that Hal was dead. And his response is, oh, yeah, I looked closer at the hand. Oh, by the way, he doesn't just say, I'll go to the hand. He has put the hand under a sheet. That he then pulls, pulls off. aside, which means he was just keeping that hand around for a little bit, I guess. For fun. It's, it's clearly necrotizing. It's, it's, it's gross. And he's like, look at these jagged edges. Clearly someone cut it off themselves. Yes, was done by himself, and it's not easy. There are eight bones in the wrist. I'm like, yeah, you didn't have to explain. I mean, also, it would hurt. A lot. But, like... You don't... You, you think a coroner would check... Would be like, oh, by the way, we found his hand. The hand is his, but the hand was cut off. The hand was not blown off. It was cut off. Yeah, even if it wasn't cut off by himself, the fact that the hand was cut off and not blown off... Is suspicious. And here's, and here's something else I will say. I am not a coroner. I don't know a lot about trauma. 
I'm not a doctor. Nothing's bad. You look at that hand. That hand is a clean cut. That hand has clearly been cut off by someone. Uh, <laughs> Hal didn't even try to make it look like it was exploded. Yeah, I, I am not a, I am not great with medicine, but I could be like that hand is clean. Are you? Are you serious? Like, that does not prove that he did it himself, but it proves that somebody cut that hand off. And you should be suspicious of that fact. <sighs> everyone. Everyone involved in this storyline. <laughs> I mean, just as a reminder, he did just call Betty personally and was like, <laughs> hey, the hand's your dad's. So, good luck. Very bad. Uh, Hiram. Oh, jeez. Oh, <laughs> would like Hermione to fall in line so he can achieve his goal. And we learn what his new goal is. And he uses a lot of fancy words. But essentially, <laughs> what he would like to do is purchase the town. Oh, he's going to privatize the town. He's going to pay, pay all the debts. And then take control of the leadership. I do not do not know about municipal law to I know... I don't know that a man can buy a town. I know. It isn't in Schitt's Creek the idea that they bought that town? Oh, that's true. Maybe a man can buy a town. But the the question I always have is that if you buy a town, what does that mean? Because in Schitt's Creek, the mayor still has a lot of control. Well, and also, like, yeah, back in, you know, the Old West and, like, things like that, people would own towns, but I never quite understand what that means well what's important kevin is that <laughs> governor dooley is on his side he has signed off on this so hermione better get in line there's no way hiram has enough money to buy a town right well he lost all his drug money yeah like he he's constantly been failing he's we have not had a successful hiram venture in the in this show and we know that they lost all their money when he went to jail last time Unless they didn't. And the only property we know about is Le Bon Nuit and Pop Tate, which is failing. And the White Worm. Which is which is an empty ex-drug lab. Oh, his prison. Oh, I guess the prison could be making a lot of money. And actually, Le Bon Nuit and Pop Tate are doing very well, but he's doing nothing with them. Oh, is it that she's cooking her books and make them look worse? Yes. <laughs> That's true. You're right. Right. That is how you get out of paying taxes. To your dad, who owns your business. Well, no, I mean, she was doing it because she didn't want to pay the money to her dad, make it look worse. But that's also what people do to hide their income. Yes, but she has now stopped doing that because remember when she got the bank loan? Yes, which means she stopped hiding. Okay. Uh, Hiram is going to buy Riverdale, and I don't know what that means. But Veronica overhears, (laughs) and she also doesn't really know what it means, but she doesn't like it. Yeah, so she speaks to actual lawyer Molly, Molly Ringwald Andrews, Andrews and is like, the contract and all the stuff I signed wasn't real. I didn't get a lawyer to look at it because I'm a dumb business person. And Molly Ringwald Andrews is like, well, you are a child, so. <laughs> you should have had a lawyer. You realize that you could not have owned it anyways being a child. And then Veronica's like. What if I, think if, she, I did if she was a... emancipated? I th- bet yeah, she could have. Okay. Now here's the thing: she did own a third of of Lodge Industries. Remember? Maybe they emancipated her, Maybe. like so she could own part of the company. Which I just mean, seemed like I, a dumb thing to do. I guess Elio's a businessman and he's a child. Yeah, but it's not very clear. Or he he's actually, a grown man. It's also not clear if he owns anything. <laughs> True. <laughs> 
anyway, so what Veronica comes up with is it based like, on. <laughs> so she talks at Molly Ringwald Andrews for a long time. Yeah. Molly really gives her nothing. Because <laughs> Molly's like, yeah, you signed a fake contract. Don't then, know what to do for you. And then Veronica goes, wait, <laughs> what if a lot of illegal dealings happened at Pop Tates? <laughs> if my father's the owner, he's liable for all these illegal things that have happened, right? And I guess I know that they were, like, they were selling alcohol to underage kids and they did the gambling and all those things. But it never felt because FP would constantly go to it. Gladys was like a main fixture there. And they, she was a sheriff's wife. And they weren't exactly hiding the fact they had alcohol and their bartender was already underage. <laughs> their bartender was Reggie. So, yeah. So I guess when we were sitting there going, how can this be happening? It should not have been <laughs> it's happening. It's not been happening. Uh, but she's like, oh. I need to pin the crimes of this speakeasy on Hiram. That's the plan. And Molly Ringwald Andrews is like, huh, my skills are directly <laughs> applicable to this situation. Uh, I guess maybe. Uh, let's head over to the dark storyline. And in the dark st- storyline, dark things happen. And by dark things, I mean dialysis. Yeah, Betty sees uh, uh, Evelyn on some sort of machine. I'm like, that's a dialysis machine, isn't it? Yeah, it's hooked up to her. There's like blood cycling into her body, out of her body. Yeah. 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 Uh, but that's, <laughs> I don't know why I even did that. We go, okay. We go back to We Veronica. go right back to Veronica, where... Where, Kevin, there is a real FBI in this country. And I am more infuriated that they didn't just go like, oh my god, there are so many things I need to tell you right now. <laughs> now, conveniently, uh, Molly Ringwald, well, Molly Ringwald Andrews just made all the friends at Sarah Florence... <laughs> She's also friends with, like, the director of the FBI. Uh, she's very high up in the FBI, but she... I don't know. I don't know what her FBI... I don't know what her... I wasn't really listening. I was just like, Sarah she, she Florence. Is, she is not... She's not the director, Aaron. But she is a agent with some pull. And they've been trying to get Hiram for so long. And he, Ver- only, he served less than a year for his embezzlement charges. And Veronica's like, well, <laughs> what about illegal gambling and serving no, minors? No, no, no. The, the way that it happens... <laughs> Is that is that the agent goes, oh, he served less than a year for embezzlement. We got to get him on something big. And Veronica goes, well, what about selling alcohol to minors? Pause. And I'm like, Veronica, Jesus Christ. And then the FBI agent goes, <laughs> you did that. Well, <laughs> well, I think there's a moment there where Veronica realizes the FBI agent <laughs> did not react to her, like, selling alcohol to minors. and be like, also illegal gambling and book cooking books <laughs> bad things like better veronica <laughs> good escalation good escalation but she gave a full a full pause after what was selling alcohol to minors where i had a, i had enough time to just think come on veronica veronica you... buying alcohol for kids is not well, worse than well, i'm just like veronica doesn't know what crimes are <laughs> Uh, then the FBI agent says, uh, you did that. And Molly Ringwald Andrews says, she didn't admit to anything. <laughs> she just said it happened. And the FBI agent is like, I need to see him actually doing something bad. I need, I need to, to see it with my eyes. I need to catch him doing a crime. Like if he was, you know. Fighting making, a boy. Or making drugs in a prison. And Veronica's like, hmm, I'm very good at catching my dad doing crimes. Be right back in like 37 <laughs> minutes. 
right, crime. Well, well, let's head over to Betty for quite a while, actually. Yeah. Uh, so first, Betty has a terrible meeting. <laughs> she has a meeting with her, Edgar, her, her mom. mom, and Polly for some reason. And uh, she is informed by her mother yeah. that when she was eight, she had a small accident and went to the hospital <laughs> and, and for a concussion. The, and in the hospital, they just decided to test her genes. They just wanted to test her genetic history because that's what you do as a concussion treatment. <laughs> that's what you do. Like, hey, has she, has she come in for any reason? Well, you know what? Let's take some blood and test her genes. And then Alice babbles some genetic nonsense. She says she has M um, M A O A and C D H three, at which Holly calls the serial killer genes, which is not correct. And but I mean, like C D H three doesn't do uh, doesn't really mean much of anything. It kind of like uh, has stuff to do with like cervix cervical cancer or cervixes or something like that. Right. Um, MAOA, well, yes, can cause, like, it has a trend of causing antisocial behavior. It just as easily can cause depression as it can cause aggression. And uh, Betty definitely doesn't exhibit any antisocial behavior. <laughs> Unlike her creepazoid sister, Polly. Yeah. <laughs> who responds, and they tested the rest of us, and none of us had it. Not even Dad. You're the only bad person, Betty. And your genes says so. It's in your genes, Betty. You're a garbage person, Betty. But don't worry, Betty. We have a solution. Edgar is going to talk you healed from your genes. Yeah, yeah. They they have a lot of weird pseudo sias of going on here. So Edgar uh, starts talking to her, and he... I figured immediately what he was doing because he sets Ooh. up a Newton's cradle in front of her and puts a cat or like an incense thing behind like, it, a fire behind it. And I'm like, oh, this is hypnotism. He's hypnotizing her. Yeah. And then he talks to her a bit about how, don't worry, destiny doesn't exist. You can make choices. You're not destined to be one bad thing or one good thing. And then she is clearly hypnotized and is now in a dark room. <gasps> oh, she's in a mental space. And he says, you have to go to the first confrontation. Well, she's in the dark. Well, by the time she's in the dark oh, room, yeah. she's already talking she to She had already talked about Dark Betty, so she's in the dark room for the first. What comes up first? Confrontation. Yes, she's talking to her dark self. Who calls herself a shadow Betty, which immediately <laughs> twigged for me that this was not a real person, because she knows. It's called Dark Betty. It's called Dark Betty, not Shadow Betty. But she says, oh, remember the cat? You drowned your cat. And Betty's like, no, the cat ran away. What? No? Had you pushed your sister Polly down the stairs? And Betty's like, definitely didn't. And I'm like, oh, so this is this is like hypnotism where they bring up, um, like... Fake... Well, no, so usually hypnotism, they can use it to bring up repressed memories. They are faking repressed memories. Yes. And, and I, I figured that out pretty quickly. I'm like, oh, they're hypnotizing her and bringing out fake memories. Either that or this show's real bad at writing. <laughs> because they have hinted at none of this. <laughs> yeah, but then she snaps back to reality. Oops, there goes gravity. But one thing that was left in her mind is that the shadow Betty Cooper is the real Betty Cooper. Oh, right. Yeah, she's like, no, you, I'm not part of you. You're part of me. It's in your genes. Ooh. Betty, your genes are evil. As a result of this, her genes have caused her to have a headache. There is no... <laughs> Sorry. <sighs> I know. I know. That's not how genes work. Edgar says this weird thing where he's like, like, she's like, oh, my head hurts. And she's like, your body has located your trauma. Step one, 
Healing is painful. I'll help you, Betty. You know what? Chad Michael Murray's really good. He's losing his touch <laughs> this episode. Well, I mean, they make him do start doing some weird stuff. So Betty calls Jughead, and he's just like, no, don't listen to them, man. This sounds like hypnotism. And Betty's like, it does sound like hypnotism. Well, she says, she says like, oh, I had some sort of magnetic balls. And I'm like, Betty, Betty Cooper knows what a Newton's cradle is. Betty was just hypnotized. <laughs> She's not firing on all cylinders right now. I forgot what a Newton's cradle was, but like you've seen, you had to have seen a Newton's cradle before. I don't know that I would have pulled the word Newton's cradle out of my head, but I would have been like, you know, the thing with the balls and the balls swing yeah, back but and she, forth. Yeah, she click clack. I will say she describes it like it has not existed in the world before. It's kind of like, she's like, she yeah, had these she sure strange does. magnetic balls that would hit each other, and I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, the thing with the balls, the hypnotists do. Yeah, yeah. There's, you know, you can have people talk like that. Um, but so he's anyway, like, no, this is clearly hypnotism. And he's like, don't go back. And then she's like, but what if I do go back? <laughs> but now, and then she looks at the candle and, go, and very creepily goes, but now I have a plan. My favorite thing about this episode, which might be, like, just a good moment, is that it, it leads up the way these these um, scenes always lead toward an end where it's like, yes, I think I have an idea. Then Jughead's like... Okay, well, I gotta figure this other thing out. She's like, oh, right, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, this is real life. We like, progress. Like, the entire show shifts, the like, tone shifts as Betty's like, oh, right, yeah, you're you're trying to find the, um, uh, like, what happened with the Black Hood and the, and the Gargoyle King. And he's like, yes, the connection. Um, and then she goes, well, I forgot to tell you. Yeah. I, a, some... jester gave, a jester gave me the card. I'm gonna be honest, if I looked at that man, I would not have called him a jester. No. No. But you knew he was wearing, like, a Comedia dell'arte mask. Yeah. So I guess, yeah. Yeah. Jester works. Um, he gave the letter, so um, Jughead's like, all right, I'll go down the line. And he does that immediately. It goes very, very fast, because he runs up to some kid named Louis, who and, we've never seen before. And you see, Louis, he was the centaur. But he was given, he gave the letter. To Luna, who the, was the druid. druid. And then Luna gave it to some kid. He was the jester. And then he gave it to Betty. His name is very close to Louie is the reason why I'm yeah. forgetting it. Uh, but Jughead, Jughead just... I, I, in my head, my headcanon here is imagine the Jughead had a really, really bad talk with the jester and Luna. Just being like, oh my... God. Like, I, bet, I, bet, I bet the reason they had those costumes is because they are really into doing this. And he's like... I can't talk to you right now. So he just like, hey, I'll give you 20 bucks. Tell just me what tell you know. Tell me where you got it from. Either that or he spent $60 trying to figure this thing out. Maybe he got some money from his dad. Some petty cash. Dad, I need some petty cash for uh, baying people for information. You know how to do it, boy. <laughs> boy. As you know, Dad, I'm a sheriff's je- deputy, and that requires me to have a little bit of slush fund. And so he's like, hey, uh, <laughs> Louie, who gave you the letter? And Louie's like, a child did it. <laughs> Or he says some kid, Jughead's like, do you literally mean a kid? Like a 13-year-old? <laughs> well, I like I, I like when he says, like, you know, a kid did it, that the Jughead's like, I only know one child in this show. <laughs> well, because I refer to teenagers as kids all the time. And, like, isn't that a common thing for teenagers to call someone else in their class, like, some no, kid? No, no, it's always someone younger than them. Okay. I When I was a teenager, and people in my class were not other kids. But would a freshman be a kid? I mean, that's the th- that's the sort of the thing, is that okay. he's just, like, a, like a kid. But Jughead's like, there's only one kid who's plot, re- like, connected to the plot. I do want to say that Jughead did the one thing that always bugs me whenever you have cops do it in shows, where Jughead gives a description to Louie. 
Like, yeah. He's like, yeah, where he's like, Louis's like, oh, some kid. And Jughead's like, oh, with roughly hair and blue eyes. And Louis was like, sure. That's the thing that Betty did, which is what led her to Edgar as opposed to her dad. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like You can't – don't give descri- – hey, hey, detectives out there, people who want to be detectives, don't give descriptions to people. Let them describe them. I just had an idea. What? I'll tell you later. Okay. All right. So uh, we head back to Betty where she's talking with, you know, the uh, – the with I don't, her farm friend. We friends. need to come up with a name for them. The the the, the people at the farm who are who are essentially are on her I side. I call them her farm friends. Farm friends. The fafa. The fafa. The so fafa. She talked to the fafa at lunch, and uh, man, Fangs just hurts. And I'm like, yeah, because you've been boxing too much. <laughs> no, turns out, um, Edgar's. Part of Edgar's treatment is he does minor surgery on them. Yes. To turn their emotional pain to physical pain. And then he removes the physical pain with his small procedures. Now, here's the, here's what I am going to say. That is an insane thing that I can see, like, a cult doing by being like, no, we take your emotional pain and we put it through this process where you feel it physically. But when we remove that... Then all of a sudden you feel better. And people will feel better because they won't hurt anymore. Well, they'll just feel better than they did when they were recovering from their major surgery. That's sort of what I mean. Is like, like, like they essentially, they do the same thing they did to Betty. They inflict stuff upon them. So when they take that stuff away, then they feel better because they are not in the state they were moments before. Well, Kevin makes the mistake of leaning forward. <laughs> Which allows Betty to tear up his shirt. And he has... The biggest scar. It is like 14 inches long and, and it's red. red and inflamed. Like he needs to go see a real doctor. And I wrote and I wrote down <laughs> the word I wrote down here was Kevin doesn't have a kidney. <laughs> Cuz that is the scar you give to a person in a film when you took their kidney out. Well, Kevin slaps Betty's hand away and says, don't you ever dare do that again. And <laughs> don't Betty was like, okay. Don't look at my terrible scar. <laughs> That's not a thing I'm going to often do. Yeah. And then her farm friends. No, she just leaves. She's like, all right, I'm out. I'm out of here. (laughs) She's like, fuzz, I can't. (laughs) I gotta gotta do this. So uh, Veronica has a plan to catch Hiram doing something illegal. And she's like, Archie, I need you to do the first step. (laughs) She like, she like approaches him in the darkness. It's real weird. She's like a floating head in the darkness. (laughs) Anyway. What Archie has to do is has to interrupt Hiram's crime meeting, which he has. Remember that steam room that Elio was in once and then Veronica invaded it? It's just a thing now that that Hiram likes to spend time in. So Hiram's hanging out in this steam room. Doing some crime with some crime people. Mark Consuelas has some weird muscles. He, he... There's it, a lot of them. It feels like he's tensing his stomach, though. Yes, it like does. Like, he's holding it in the he's entire like, time. six-pack. Gotta Ugh. make sure... I mean, the thing is that when you ever... They have these scenes, the actors do things like they don't eat that day. They do a lot of stuff to just get... It's the same thing the bodybuilders do before a show. Yeah, yeah. Is they can do things just to, like, cut that leanest thing. Um, Marco Twilio does it a lot this episode. Now, for a man who was just in a coma... Maybe a little less of the cut stomach? Uh, nope. <laughs> nope. 
Nope. Where's that sweet coma body? I mean, we we see Archie a lot, and he only has the sexy scars. He doesn't have the one on his abs that would be like, that's a blemish on his abs. And his brand is gone. It's it's too low. It's right. It's right near the dick. However, Mark Consuela is somehow more six pack than KJ Apa. Yeah. But KJ Apa, don't starve yourself. <laughs> Drink water. You look great, sir. KJ Apa. Uh, that being Archie Andrews, has has had to go through the process of getting a towel before he comes <laughs> storming into the steam room and is like, Hey, I hear you're trying to buy the town. I won't accept it. I'm going to fight you for it. And if and if I win, you can't buy the town. But if you win, you can. And I'm like, this is how any of this works. <laughs> and then Mark and Toilet. You can have. It almost sounds like like Archie. Like this. This is clearly He's part of the saying a script. It's well. It's clearly part of the trick. But <laughs> but the fact that Hiram is even like that's not how this works. <laughs> and Archie's like, yes, a boxing match at my boxing gym. But really, what Archie does is he just like insults Hiram's pride in front of his friends by being like oh i heard that after the coma you're gone soft <laughs> which prompts hiram to say the worst thing that a person <laughs> can say to another person when they're standing there half naked in a towel <laughs> which is nothing about me is soft <laughs> and he says that with a straight face as they are moments away from turning this into a very different show and all of his friends are like yeah yeah he's so hard He's the hardest. He's a, he's a very hard man. I'm just what I'm saying. Hiram, you should definitely fight that young boy. <laughs> You're so hard right now. There's nothing weird about a 50-year-old man fighting a 17-year-old boy. <laughs> and explaining how hard he is. No way. I'll fight you, Archie. I'm just way so hard. This is dumb. It's dumb. And that carries on with Veronica being like, You're going to fight Archie? Aw, oh, father. That's very dumb, Dad. Did you know that everyone's trying to bet on it? They think, I'm not going to let them bet on it. They think you won't win. All the bookies are putting the odds against you. But, Dad, don't worry. I'm not going to take any of those bets. I'm going to always be on your side. I wouldn't dare bet on you or against you, or I will not shame your fight with a 17-year-old boy by doing betting. <laughs> and I'm like, nah, you bet on the fact that I do not know how hard I am right now. Veronica, with how hard I am, you will make so much money on this fight. I want you people to bet on how hard I will be. <laughs> Veronica's like, I don't want to do that, Dad. <laughs> well, I'm done with this conversation. I think I got what I wanted out of it. Now I'm going to leave. Please don't ever talk about how hard you are again, Father. Uh, we have a very quick scene where uh, Polly like, catches Betty in the hallway just being like, Oh, I heard, you know, everything's going good. And you know what? I forgive you for pushing me down the stairs. And Betty's instantly suspicious. Well, and I'm also instantly like, okay, Polly. Polly's in on this, I guess. <sighs> <sighs> so um, we have a little scene where Jughead talks to his sister and he asks where Ricky is. And Jellybean is instantly suspicious because her brother is a narc. <laughs> well, but I mean, she, she is like up to it, but she also does not think Ricky's doing anything bad. She doesn't understand what Ricky's doing. So she's just like... I don't know, he's in Fox Forest, man. He's waiting to ascend, whatever that means. And Jughead's like, oh, sh- that boy's gonna kill himself. And Jughead goes running off into the day. Well, he first gets the directions from JB. Well, yeah, she draws a map. Which means that, that Ricky told her exactly where he'd be in a forest. 
I have to assume the place where he went is the place where she went with him. Yeah, that might be it. When she met the Gargoyle King. Or this is a trap. It really does seem like a trap, as we see later. It's true. But first, Betty. So her creepy candle steering, like end of scene moment having, was actually her looking at a candle and being like, hmm. Yeah. So she blocks her ears with wax. And then, uh, uh, Edgar tries to hypnotize her. And she acts like she is hypnotized. And then she gets... She goes into her mind room, but it's not actually a mind room. It's actually a different room. Yeah, Edgar brings her in, and he and he has her in essentially, like, the hypnotism position. Like, he clearly has mm-hmm. done some other stuff to be like, oh, now we're hypnotizing. So, uh, so he brings her into there, and she's still pretending to be hypnotized. And she sees Shadow Betty. And I, I actually think this might be played by Lily Reinhold for this scene. Because, like, she in the shadow, she looks very much like her. Mm-hmm. Until she steps into the light. And it's Polly! Shocking! Polly might have taken the jump for being worse than Alice. Uh, yeah, because Polly is trying to convince Betty to be a killer. Yeah, and I was, and, <laughs> and I, I, I told Aaron, I'm like, I don't think Alice is involved in this. No, I think Alice is too dumb. <laughs> yeah. I think whatever blonde young man... Is pretending. Well, once again, she doesn't know what Charles looks like, so they just chose some dude. And so someone is in there when she's being hypnotized. It could even be Edgar. It could be Edgar, yeah. Ooh. (laughs) Anyway, oh, Polly. So Jughead uh, stops Ricky and just, like, kicks over. (laughs) Kicks over the chalices. I have to say, I love how our teenagers look at the chalices and are like, no. (laughs) No, friends, no. What the? What are you doing? You can't tell me to flip for my fate. <laughs> and then Ricky reveals that uh, that apparently this forest is full of boys. And they're all dressed as scouts. Yeah. But as this episode proceeds, I don't know if they're actually scouts. Well, here's the thing that makes me think of, and they showed it in the last time on. And that is, I remember there was that boy who was hiding in the bunker? Yes. Yeah, the boy who was hiding in the sex bunker, like underneath the... But he was a child who had parents who were looking for him. He was a missing kid. Yeah, I, I know. That's what. That's sort of what <laughs> I mean. Because he said that um, uh, uh, Dilton was, like, uh, teaching him how to play the game so he could eventually play the game. So are all these kids essentially being, like, groomed into playing D&D? But why don't their parents know they're missing? We'll get to that. So the four is full of boys, uh, and they have... St- Beers. <laughs> Very big, sharp sticks. And they just, and, and um, Ricky yells, protect the princess, and Jughead runs, and he goes to the sex bunker. And then he locks himself in. Where Ethel's there, and <gasps> quotes Ooh. Star Wars. And we loved it, because she's such a nerd. Such a nerd. She did that on purpose. Oh, yeah. She was like, this is my moment. You're my only hope. Get it. Yeah, this is life or death, Jughead. I did it. <laughs> but I quoted Star Wars for you. It's because I still love you a little bit. So she is very upset and very scared that she's going to be killed. Because she failed the Gargoyle King. So Jughead's like, what? Yeah, it turns out she was the one who gave the letter to Ricky, who gave the letter to... Louis, who gave the letter to Luna, who gave the letter to someone whose name also sounds like Louis. And she explains that she was saved from the false king at the Sisters (laughs) of Quiet Mercy. Yeah, so she got deprogrammed and immediately reprogrammed because no one's checking up on these kids. 
And so she rejoined the true king Didn't in the, the rest forest. Of them the farm? Where did the rest yes, of the kids go? The rest of them were stolen by mm. Alice to the farm mm. after Betty found them homes. I was wondering where Ethel was. Ethel went to her own home. Right. But now she got reprogrammed again. Her parents need to keep an eye on that girl. Well, her dad is not dead. Did Dad's not... not dead. Dad's not dead. Mom's still alive as well. They're kind of probably kind of sad, but. Well, I guess her dad's just so busy looking for work. Although ah, maybe he could have gotten we'll work go the at prison. the prison. <laughs> but I mean, that, that means Hiram would be his boss again. That's why he almost committed suicide last time. Ooh. Anyway, Ethel has been put in charge of the Lost Boys. Who are those scouts? Which makes me confused. <laughs> and it becomes more and more clear that they might just live in the forest. And I don't understand why we haven't heard about this rash of missing children in Riverdale. Yeah, because because at this point Jughead's like, don't worry, I'm going to get you out of here and those lost boys. I'm like, they're not really trapped. Yeah, they're fine. They're just in a forest, which they do apparently live in. <laughs> well, the little boys do like killing people in forests. <laughs> Uh, There's one thing I know from books. Hey, Aaron. Hey, Kevin. What this week did that make you happy? Good sentence. Mm-hmm. I went to Beer Fest. It was really fun. Yeah? I got to try so many international beers, and I got a tiny little plastic beer mug, and I got to have pasta... And it was, and it snowed on me because we live in Canada. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. But I had so much fun and I got to try so many beers, as I said. And so this week, the thing that's bringing me joy is a real classic old school Aaron moment. It's a beer. <laughs> yeah. So this beer is called Wizard's Revenge. It is from a local brewery in Calgary, a nerd brewery called New Level Brewing. Ooh. And this is a strawberry milkshake IPA. So I can guarantee you that this beer has lactose in it. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. Yes, its ingredients are water, yeast, lactose, wheat, barley, hops, strawberries, and uh, coconut. Oh, and they're located on Fairmount Drive. Oh, cool. Um, anyway, so this is... A really new brewery. They do lots of really cool beers. They have lots of fun, fun titles always. And they have a drawing of a man who's making revenge with strawberries. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's I, Wizard's Revenge. I'm not sure why. They also have a companion beer called The Wizard's Vacation, wow. which is pineapple and coconut in it. So it's like a pina colada beer. Well, you can't always have revenge. And it's also a milkshake IPA. Cool. So sometimes you need vacation, sometimes you need revenge. I thought this would be very fitting. Yeah. Kevin, what brought you joy this week? Um, this is more of something that I just thought was uh, entertaining and kind of funny uh, that I think you'll get a kick out of. I learned I learned recently that at one point, I don't know what year it was, some people made a game that's called Arm Joe. Now, Arm Joe is a Les Mis fighting game <gasps> where you can play as people such as Marius and Epony and Valjean, or sorry, Jean Valjean, and then Robo Jean Valjean. <gasps> And like, <laughs> and Javert, and it's just a fighting game of characters from Les Mis, and like, like it's, they they have like special moves. Of course, like Marius has a move that essentially is he goes he, mopes in a corner. No, he summons all his dead like revolution buddies <laughs> as a reference to empty like empty empty chairs and empty, empty tables. And empty tables. Like he summons them up to fight. For, it's 
it's an insane concept. That's like I just heard of. And just hearing what that is just like, yeah, you know what? Make a fighting game on Lay Miz. How do I find this game? I don't know. It it's I don't know. As I said, I just <laughs> I just heard about it. If and start, I looked up, I saw like footage of it. If we start tweeting it forever, maybe the programmers will send it to us. <laughs> maybe. I will, I will not be good at this, but I need it in my life. Maybe they'll make a cats-based one. <gasps> Who knows? Oh, Mungle Jerry and Rumble Teaser can I do w- a cartwheel together. I wonder what a cartwheel Ebony. and people's I wonder what Ebony's special abilities are. She runs in front of a gun to get shot for you. That's true. I think my favorite thing, of course, is that that there's all these characters, and of course, the robot version of Jean Valjean. Like you need a robot, ro- robot. You need a robot version of every lead character. <laughs> nope, ju- nope, just John. He's the only lead character. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, Javert should also have a robot one. No, he's the antagonist. <laughs> He's the unstoppable force in the universe stopping you from achieving your dreams, even though he jumps off a bridge. You still can never be free. There's this... Oh, what was it? There's this one thing that's, like, on a scale of blank to Javert, how... How... how no, no, on a scale of Elsa to Javert, how good are you at letting go? <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid I'm a Javert. All right, so we uh we get a scene where Veronica is talks talking to, to a man that we don't see at first because she needs a uh, she needs a con man, so she's got the best con man she knows. And I was deeply worried it was Elio. Luckily, Kevin is smarter than me. <laughs> no, it's Reggie. <gasps> Reggie. Which, I mean, her setup is terrible. Reggie is re- the only re- reason Reggie is any good at crime is because Veronica keeps Veronica keeps making him do crime, and then she doesn't show up for it, so he has to do it alone. Yeah. So Veronica, so they do this cool swing, like camera swing thing, to reveal him, and then they do it again, and I'm like, okay, I <laughs> all get right, it. too much. I get it. You got a dolly. You got a new toy. Cool. <laughs> But yeah, Reggie will join the con. Yeah, because they gotta take their dad. He has this weird thing where it's like, uh, I thought we had a whole thing about not mixing business and pleasure. I'm like, Reggie, no one mentioned pleasure. <laughs> There's no fun in this. They might have had sex before this, though. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. They had some sex down in the Le Bon Nuit, and she's like, let's go get a post-coital coffee. Also, let's talk. <laughs> By the way, <laughs> other thing. Oh, I love Reggie. Uh, Betty tries to explain the situation to her father. And her fafa are like, give us proof. <laughs> yeah, she's like, okay, guys. So, <laughs> it's they're tricking you. It's hypnotism. They're like, hypnotism's a good thing. And she's like, um, not when it makes you imagine that your loved ones are there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just so they'd be like, no, hypnotism's never used for evil. It's used for entertainment and healing. And Betty's like, okay, I guess I'll go get proof. I think Cheryl is the one. Is either Cheryl or Tony who says. Why would he inflict pain just to take it away? And I'm like, because that's what, that's how you mentally torture people. That's That's how you convince people to be, you know, give themselves over to you. That's also just how torture works. The idea is that you give someone pain, be like, hey, we'll stop giving you pain if you give us what you want. Cheryl knows what torture is. It's true. She (laughs) maple syruped her mom. That's true. She did. One of the dark bed. No, wait. Betty wasn't involved. It was Veronica. It was Mm. Cheryl and Veronica. (laughs) Right. One of the dark Veronica things. See, and Betty's worried she has a darkness. (laughs) (laughs) Who's done... (laughs) 
<laughs> God. Um, anyways, he's like, oh, fine, you proof then. Fine, I'll just do more work. Fine, for fuzz. I'll do all the work. Oh, my fuzz. Um, so there's some nonsense. Where... <laughs> yeah, turns out the way to deal with this problem is the drug and ethical, like, all right, boys, you're trying to murder me. Don't. And they're like, okay, but also Jack is gone. <laughs> also, Ricky's gone. And Jughead's like, oh, Ricky. And Ethel's like, no, <gasps> Jack. Jack is the youngest. And Jughead's like, oh, fine, go get him. He went back to the bus to get his knife. Knife. Just to, to kill Jughead. <laughs> just gonna let that slide by. And Ethel's like, all right, boys, you stay here. Don't move. <laughs> all right, boys, you stay in the forest. We'll go get Jack. By the way, we learned later that, the, that what, where he was going is the creepy bus. That they already was, raided? They already knew the bus was there. It's still around. Yeah, you'd think the police like, would, like, do, take that away. I, I, yeah, here's the thing. I understand. We learn we learned, because now we see outside of it, it's actually in a junkyard. Take it out of the junkyard well, to investigate it? I don't know. It, it feels like, once again, we're not... We're not police. We're not we police, don't know. But I feel like... Something should have happened. Yeah, it shouldn't have been left. But he's not a good sheriff. He was just like, well, it's already in the garbage. Yeah, because it, it's still being used as a headquarters for these kids. Yeah. All right. Anyway, uh, Betty goes to see Evelyn and learns the things that we kind of supposed. But yeah, it, now it it's being set out. Is in fact dialysis. And Evelyn just, Evelyn just keeps on being like, I was very ill when I was young. I had many problems. She and now she's taking anti-rejection stuff though, and Betty's like, "Why are you?" <laughs> Betty takes a long time to get there. Betty's like, "But why are you taking anti-rejection stuff?" That's what you would do you, if you got a transplant. <gasps> and a you, transplant? You didn't get a transplant. Where would you get a transplant from? Wait a second. Kevin, she says it all out loud. Yes. Kevin scar <laughs> was on his back where his kidneys are just like a scar you would have if your kidney was removed. You have Kevin's kidney. <laughs> and you just got got transferred. You got a transplant of a kidney and Kevin has a scar where your kidney would be and you got a transplant of a kidney. You're taking anti-rejection stuff because you got a transplant of a kidney and Kevin has a kidney scar. <laughs> and then she comes down and she's like, but wait, there are so many people at the farm. <laughs> All those organs can't be in you. And, and at, which, at which point, it's just Evelyn being like, you don't know anything. Evelyn's like, you know nothing, Jon Snow. Evelyn does nothing with this realization as well. I guess because she's on her dialysis machine that takes hours. But you'd think she'd have a phone to text her <laughs> husband, Dad. Hey, husband, Dad. Uh, Betty figured it out. Betty's on to us. Because she immediately like goes from this to sneaking into... The medical harvest room. Yeah, there's a surgical suite. And behind the surgical suite is everyone's organs. Yeah, the cold room just has... And they, they, the boxes are labeled the farm harvest. <laughs> it's really good. I can't remember the second word is. I almost want to say it's addition. Harvest edition. Guys. And I'm like, you labeled it. <laughs> we're underplaying this, but this is insane. I... Never, I the, never things, could have guessed this is I where this was going. Far would go. I didn't expect they were harvesting cultists for their organs because it feels like there's so much that would go into that that the farm had not been doing. Like, has no. How long has the farm been operating for that no one's ever realized they're down one organ? 
Well, they keep moving after a year. Because <laughs> Evelyn goes to a new school every year. That's true. And the FBI in this city suck. <laughs> I can't believe they're just like, like, oh, FBI is here? There's a cult. They're doing something we don't know what. Again, if Veronica cared that her, that her that her roommate disappeared. Do you actually think that the Veronica actually knows there's a cult in Riverdale? Veronica does not know anything that's going on that's outside her storyline. And Archie's too sweet and dumb. He doesn't know either. No. And Jekka doesn't know there's an FBI agent in town. So if all these kids would just hang out together... Which they do sometimes, but they don't. But I, I do think that when Betty and Jughead talk, Archie, Archie just like tries his best to follow along, but can't keep up. And Veronica just like has like whale noises going on in her like, head. Me, 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 me. <laughs> Ooh, did they say Ronnie? Sorry, so there's a line. There's a line in Brooklyn Nine Nine where like. Um, they asked Gina to do something, and when someone asked her, like, what were they talking about? She's like, I don't know. They said my name once at the beginning, once, but that was, like, at the beginning, so I have no idea. It's and Veronica. I feel like it's very much Veronica. Okay, so a lot of things are going to start happening here. Um, Evelyn and Jughead go to look for Jack. They find him. There's a little jump scare, but then a big jump scare, because the Black Hood's just, like... <laughs> Slowly walking through the junkyard, scratching his hook on things. Because Hal has now chosen to do everything in the creepiest way he could possibly do it. <laughs> and they get away from him, and don't get me wrong, it's tense, but they, like, kick open the back door, and Black Hood's on the bus, slowly walking towards him, they get outside, and then they seal the back door, and then they run around and close the front door, and then he's Steal just... that! And he's just stuck in a bus! <laughs> They just run away. And it, and, and yes, like, I swear you could have replaced the music in this scene with, like, like the like do, yakety do, sax do, or something. Maybe something a little bit, like, like wilder than that. But, yeah, it could have been, like, it would have just because it just ends with him just getting trapped in a bus and being like, ah, oh, dang it, I'm a bad serial killer. Now, why does he want to kill anyone involved in this scene? Apparently, they they have told us... That he's ne- he's working with the Gargoyle King, which I think makes no sense. Why does the Gargoyle King want to kill his followers? I still think it might be a thing where it's not Hal. And it's like someone has assumed his identity as well. And like... Maybe. I don't know. We're, we'll, uh, we'll find out. So, um, Archie uh, is like leaving his house. He's trying to sneak out for his fight because he's worried his mom will be mad. <laughs> but his mom's like, nah, I want to see you fight an old man. I want to see you punch that 50-year-old. I never liked him. <laughs> yeah, after all he did to our family, I want to see you punch him. So um, back at Le Bon Veronica's like, how are things looking? And um, Reggie's <laughs> like, Illegal. Yeah, this is a very odd sequence. They're taking bets at Le, Le Bon Nuit, but they're intercutting with the beginning of the fight. And we thought that they were doing like a live stream of the fight to Le Bon Nuit. But then, because at one point, Veronica's like, well, it's showtime. And then she goes off and starts singing. But no, I guess they're just taking the bets there. Then everyone's watching her sing. They are very far away from the gym is what I should point out. It's all very strange. She sings a song about a dad loving to shoot people. (laughs) It's a very poignant song. And then this like is intercut with scenes of the fight. Eventually the fight becomes bare knuckle because yeah. <laughs> Archie has no chill. Well, because um, like Hiram traps his arm. And as he's swinging around, Archie like gestures at the ref like, come on. <laughs> and the ref does nothing. nothing. Uh, then I was like, oh, fine, let's do this. And then he goes bare knuckle. And then they're fighting. And then the rate, the f- not, not FP, the feds. 
Well, some man calls from the fight yeah. to Peaches, who's taking the bets, that's the and thing then that Re- the raid comes in. Yeah, that's in. the thing that, um, that Reggie tells Yeah, it's Ronnie a signal. About. No, no, that's the thing that... Oh, that's that thing, right? That's, yeah. yeah. Um, no, uh, the, the feds just come in because the feds are doing this raid. And, and they're, they're like, like, where's the owner? And go. Ronnie goes like, oh, that's <laughs> my goes, dad. She goes, are you the owner? No, I'm just singing. <laughs> My dad's the owner, Hiram Lodge. I don't know why she decided to perform. I guess maybe to be like, no, I'm just a singer. I'm just so casual. And they're like, do you know where your father is? And she's like, oh, yes, he's fighting a teenage boy. <laughs> he's at an underground boxing match. They don't mention the teenage boy. I feel like she should have. He's fighting a 17-year-old. He's currently fighting a 17-year-old in an underground boxing match that a lot of people are at. I don't know why. For the st- for <laughs> For the fate of the town, you see... <laughs> I want her to explain the entire thing and have the Fed just be like, oh, my God, I got to be here so much more. What did you just oh say? Oh, my God. You're, you're saying that some local businessman is trying is, to buy the town. And, and he's fighting a youth for the fate of the town. And if he beats the youth, he's allowed to buy the town. But if he loses, he's not. That's not how any of this works. But I should go stop that man from fighting that youth. Well, especially because Reggie comes running up and he's like, Oh, Reggie. Or, <laughs> my name is Reggie. I haven't been on the show for so long I forgot. He, Reggie comes up and he is a Pokemon now. He's like, Reggie, Reggie, Reggie. And Veronica's like, oh, What are you saying? The fight's going wrong? People are putting odds on my dad killing Archie? Yeah, the only thing that Reggie says is that, hey, there's been some last minute bets going in on Hiram killing Archie. And I'm like, I mean, I guess it is underground betting, but I feel like you have to cut off the bets at a certain point. Um, and, also, and also, that doesn't prove that Hiram is going to. That just means people are betting for it. Well, don't worry. Veronica operates to the fight. She gets there before the feds. And uh, Hiram's doing something. And... He's like, ah, Archie, you lost. And Archie's like, no, I was just biding time. <laughs> He's like bleeding heavily. It's like, nah, I tricked you. <laughs> ah. And in comes FP with the feds behind him. Yeah, now FP is here. And, he, and God, in a scene that I don't understand why they decided to write it, FP arrests Hiram, but Veronica reads him his crimes. Yeah, that does there's, happen. There's a lot of weird stuff here that I feel like a lawyer could be like, you let a you let his child read his his rights to him or something. I mean, hopefully FP also said them. <laughs> yeah. To make it legal. I don't know. So. What bugs me a lot about this is that Veronica most certainly has other proofs of crime he did. She did his job for a while. It just it just bugs me that, like, she clearly has access to his entire empire, and she was like, nah, this is what we'll get him on. Let's not forget, he no longer lives in the house. But, I mean, she knows who pays him protection money. The thing is, she doesn't have any proof. Like, they said they had to see him in the act. <laughs> we just got... We, we got to see him actually do the crime. Well, she also... Then she knows his pickup schedule. Can you really think that's still going on? I don't know. I'm Aaron, sure she burned all them bridges. Aaron, I have no idea, because his empire makes no sense. Yeah, no, I think... I think setting him up was the most reasonable thing a 16-year-old could come up with. <laughs> Because the feds were like, yeah, you got to take the charge of this 16-year-old. I don't think she told them she was doing an elaborate plot. I think she just said, come to Le Bon Wee <laughs> tomorrow night. 
I know the the way that the Fed came in, she's like, "Oh, what's going on here? Oh, this isn't this is crazy, weird. Hey, are you in charge?" Like it felt very much like she was playing a part. Anyway, um, he is arrested, and Veronica goes to visit him in jail, where they did not give him a shirt. Oh, they did not give him any clothes, and he's still bloody. Yeah, um, and he's like, "Oh, you." You did this, you know, for, for Archie. And she's like, no, I did it for me, Dad. No, you do stuff for Archie. Everything I do is for Veronica. <laughs> well, I mean, his stuff is for her, but because of Archie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. I forgot. Everything is Veronica. Veronica's like, no. No, no. Veronica <laughs> said, I do things because of Veronica. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's like, no, I don't care about anything you did. Just that you tricked me. I didn't like that, Dad. So now... I win. Very clear. Once again, her morals are super low. She only cares that he tricked her, which is fine for a character to have. Just don't treat it like her morals are good, 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 and high. <laughs> so back at the old Andrews homestead, Molly Ringwald Andrews does a little mumming at Archie about how cute Veronica is. She uses the word "endgame," which is like the third or fourth time that's been used in this season. Well, you know, everyone knew Avengers was coming out, so. <laughs> no, your endgame, like that movie, Avengers. It's a big movie. Ah, that's CS what you reference are. it. Uh. So we find out. <laughs> Weird uh, scene. After FP was busy arresting Hiram, he's now dealing with the um, Gargoyle King stuff. So first he meets with Jughead and Ethel, and he informs them that they've put the Lost Boys under police care until the Gargoyle King can be found. So none of them will be murdered. And I'm like, where are their parents? Where are these children? Like, I understand Ricky is like a runaway from a... So the, one of two things could be true. Yeah. All of the Lost Boys could be runaways. And they're just like putting them under police care until they can figure out, give them homes. Gave them scout outfits. Or all of the Lost Boys are scouts and they just don't think it's safe for them to go home. And maybe they haven't actually been living in the forest but you know how scouts go on like away yeah, camps yeah that, that's what I mean like like maybe they're just going on away camps that they think are to like a cool campsite but it's actually just fox forest to stab boys yes alright I think the second one's more reasonable but I, I mean I agree but who knows who knows uh, what what does change is that Ethel is now because earlier Jughead was like you gotta tell me who the gargoyle king is and she's like I can't but now she's like you did good, Jughead. You're so brave and strong. I have to reward and you I with thought, a secret. I thought she was going to kill him. I thought she was going to stab him. But no, Ethel does a good thing for once. No, she she's going to tell me the Gargoyle King is. She whispers in his ear and Jughead's like, that's impossible. Don't worry, though. The show doesn't keep the secret for long. Because <laughs> what he should have said is, that's stupid. <laughs> Because he calls, he calls Betty and like, I, okay, okay, kind of crazy day. And she's walking with, like, a kidney in a cooler. It's like, I also had a crazy day, but you go first. And he's like, the Gargoyle King is Jason Blossom? <laughs> and they're both like, no. And then Betty's like. Actually, I am upset at these kids because they're like, well, he can't be alive. And they're like, oh, well, we better go check his body. And I'm like, you saw him. He was shot in the forehead. Did the kids see him or just Alice? I mean... Just Alice. We saw him, though. I guess, I guess. But that's a weird thing to be, to like ha to have as like the, what do you call it? Um, well, let's not forget... Technicality. Let's not forget 
the Blossoms have twins that run in their family. Oh wait, Cheryl and Jason are twins. Yeah, so that means there's another there's another child. I thought Jason was older. No, Jason Jason and Cheryl are twins. Ooh, that means Polly is a cradle robber. Mm, I don't know how old Polly is. Polly's done school. I uh no Polly, she left. Polly is older than Betty. I know she is, but I thought she was taken out of school. Like in her last year. So if she was taken out of school in her last year, then yeah. she was at she was a senior when these guys were freshmen. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So she's eighteen, Jason is fourteen. Oh, I guess that's let's a just lot put of a range. pin in that. Alright. Um also, also, we have the idea that Cheryl might be older. Who knows? We don't know. The show doesn't know yeah, anymore. They are they are portraying Polly as a lot older than I think she actually is. I don't know. We'll look that up. Who cares? Uh, so, yeah, he's like, eh, Jason Blossom. And, and Betty's like, okay, you know, this is dumb, but you need to go, go check, go check, check his body. body. Uh, and then Betty has her own thing to do, which is that she goes to Cheryl. It's like, Cheryl... They're taking the organs. It's like, here's your proof of BAM. <laughs> Cheryl's like, like, that's crazy what you're saying. Hey, what's that in your hand? <laughs> and Cheryl, once seeing the proof, loses her mind in the most delightful way Cheryl ever has. Well, because she's like, oh, God, Tony just went to get the surgery done. It's like 11 o'clock at night. She literally hulks out. Yeah. <laughs> and goes running off into the night. She was running the surgical suite. And, like, the nurse is, like, I think, I don't know if that nurse lunges at her. She just grabs her and throws her aside. And then she threatens them with a scalpel. And the way she proves is like, Tony, no, it's guys, Tony. Look, look at those, look at those actual surgical tools right next to you. They're torture equipment. It's torture. <laughs> they do have a bone saw, so... Cheryl, I mean, Tony, sees the bone saw and is like, nope. Oh, that was right next to me. <laughs> so the two girls run off into the night. Um, Betty I, makes an insane choice. Where she has the organ with her, but decides, you know what? I bet Kevin DeFangs will listen to me even without it. So I guess she leaves the organ in Cheryl's room. Or just dumped it in the garbage somewhere. I don't know. That That kidney is gone. We'll never see it again. Harvest program, that's what it is. The farm harvest program. So she goes to see her male fafas. Yeah. <laughs> and and Fangs is being real weird in a way that I don't quite get. It's like they're currently hypnotized. Yeah, it's like Fangs knows what's going on and is like... And likes it. Yeah. <laughs> he likes giving up his kidney. Well, he... Oh, no, he has had his surgery. Yep, yep. I don't know why Tony was going before Cheryl when Cheryl was clearly there first. Well, because Cheryl demanded Tony go first. I guess. Yeah. She's so sweet. Anyway, so uh, then it's this uh, thing where Betty tries to run away. And then these two men physically attack her. Yeah. And like calls for help because they're being attacked and drag. Then more men physically attack her. Yeah. And then and then we got to Cheryl and Tony and they're running through the halls and then they this is the thing that bugs me. They get to a window. So they try to go through all these doors, but the doors are locked. They're not yeah. going to make it. They're not going to unlock it in time. So they find a window. Tony climbs through the window easily. Then Cheryl shuts it, locks it, and has a conversation with Tony. Just being like, no, you go. You go. So I, I said, turned to Kevin and I said, I don't understand why they can't both fit through there. I do, I do also think they both could have fit through there. What I think is Cheryl decided to sacrifice herself by fighting the men. 
so they couldn't chase Tony. But men come out anyways to chase her. Well, Cheryl doesn't know. This is Cheryl. <laughs> I know. I just think that she could have made the like like the the reasons Tony also had to stop to be like, no, don't Cheryl, don't do this. It was very dramatic. I think Tony. I think Cheryl could have made it as well. And but you know them... that that is drama. That is fiction. That's yes, fine. It's it's more fine. dramatic. Maybe give Cheryl a line, be like, no, I'll hold them off, you go. I think she does say something like that. I think it will be a lot better if they literally grabbed her and she shut the door. Like, shut it. Yeah. So, like, because if she just, because if, like, they're, there's just too much time. If they were literally about right behind her and she shuts it because she can see them. Yeah, that, that makes be, sense. That would be better. Uh, so, that is, <laughs> that happens. <laughs> and then on the heels of that, Archie <laughs> has. Prepare for the whiplash. Archie has done a robo run to Veronica's house. Yep. He arrives, and Veronica's wearing a robe. I think it's what she wore. She was wore when she was uh, singing. It looks like a robe. It, it looked like a robe when she was singing. It's a sparkly robe. That's her That's her songstress outfit. Well, Archie comes and he's like, hey, I need to... <gasps> Champagne. And at which point I whispered once again, Reggie. <laughs> Reggie got there first. Reggie got there first, and he's like... And Veronica's like, oh, uh, well, Reggie was here. And Reggie's like, I told her that I wanted to be with her. And she said she wanted Because Reggie's like, yeah, Reggie, you're right. Like, you can say this. It's fine, Reggie. Yeah. Like, I, like, she's not seeing anyone. I said I wanted to be with her. And she said she wanted to be with me. And then Archie says, is that what you said? No, 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 is, no, 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 no. He says, is that true? Which is f- fine. Both reasonable Yeah, yeah. So, so he, he says, is that true? Um, the response he gets to Veronica is... That's what I said. And I could not feel more bad for Reggie if I tried. Yeah, like... (laughs) Way to, like, rip his heart out and dance on it, Veronica. Again. That's I really hope next episode is Reggie being like, look, we're not doing this again. Veronica, I cannot be with you while you love... I love you. Well, I mean, clearly she said it because she forgot about Archie when he wasn't around. Then he showed up and she's like, oh, Archie, right. Oh my god, I forgot about you. After Archie got physically beaten up by her father for her. (laughs) Yeah, it's so quick. Like, like if... (laughs) There's no reason why... Veronica should have accepted Reggie's proposal of love, except for the fact that she's a selfish person who likes having people dote on her. And you know what? I love Reggie. Reggie deserves better. Well, Freedom for Reggie. I don't know if you noticed, as Archie was leaving, Reggie kind of did like an, oh man, like right. head tilt and rub neck. And I, and I really do hope they don't hit Veronica, like Reggie and Archie against each other, because this is all Veronica's fault. Yep. Yep, it's all... She clearly has always only wanted to be with Archie. Yeah, and she's very clearly leading Reggie on. Continuously. Yeah, the, the fact that he said, I want to be with you, do you want to be with me? And she said, yes. If we had seen that scene and we had seen that maybe it was a little bit more of her just being like, like, being hesitant. Yeah. Then I would be cool with it. But the all we have is an off-screen moment where Reggie says, I said I want to be with you. She said she wanted to be with me. And maybe he's wrong, but you can't do that when we're when we yeah, haven't you, seen it. You have to show us things. You can't just tell us things. Yeah. Well, <sighs> speaking of showing us stuff, Betty is strapped down to a 
dental chair in a surgical suite. Yeah. She's ready for her procedure, which will be where she has some organs removed, I guess. And Edgar Evernever is really busy trying to gaslight her. I'm not very clear on if, like, he seems to imply that she'll never be able to tell anyone. So I'm like, so is he going to kill her? Or does he somehow think taking her kidneys is going to make her be like, oh, I guess now I'm on that side. Because Betty's going to, like, unless he's going to sever her vocal cords. Yeah, like... And uh, keep her in prison forever. Like, this is no way this is going over well with Alice. No. And, well, I mean, I guess he could... I mean, Alice is pretty terrible. He's a really sweet talker. And, and we know he has Polly on his side. Oh, no. Oh, God. No, Alice is good for her. I'm, it is sort of leading up to maybe an Alice redemption in helping Betty. But at this point, Alice either needs to accept that she is the worst person ever or die. Yeah, she's irredeemable. Yeah, like, she's done... Far too many things for the show to be like, no, it's cool now. Polly is objectively a worse person. Yes. But the way that Alice has chosen to treat one of her daughters is absolutely unforgivable and unjustifiable. And the the weird thing about Polly, even though Polly, once again, is, as we said, a worse person, Polly's reaction to things is she's very clearly really selfish and self-involved in the in the cult i really am interested in seeing what polly's like re like what what she says about all this once it's done yeah because here's the thing she may not know about the organs but she but she knows about the hypnotism tricking so does does did egger just be like no it's good you pretend but no no, she's making her think she's a serial killer and she's telling betty to go kill people she's telling her to be evil yeah there is, uh, there, mm. <laughs> there's also the thing that, like, I hate, uh, whatever. <laughs> we'll talk about this later. <laughs> we gotta, we gotta finish this up. Because Will we have we? one more scene. Um, Doug has been busy dug- digging up Jason Blossom's grave. And then he flips open the top. And in a not at all shocking turn of events, the body, it is not there. Now, I, I'm going to assume he's not alive. There's someone who looks a lot like him, and they stole his body for dramatic purposes. If it's Edgar Evernever, who stole his body? No, or with a red be... wig. Okay, no, that's also fine. <laughs> I don't remember the theory the I had that earlier. Ethel says is Jason Blossom makes me think it has to be someone who's either a. Oh yeah, third... I, I was wondering if it was actually the real Charles. That's where I went in my head. Yeah. He's what the... if it's the real Charles who has red hair? I mean, they, they always... he could. <laughs> he could. They always said, they always said that Archie. Um, look like Jason. So people just look like Jason. If there's anything what the show does, it's like, oh, they got red hair. They're all the same. Actually, the real Charles can't look like Jason. Because <laughs> he's way too old? No, he's not a Blossom. No, that's true. He's a Smith slash FP. That's true. <laughs> Nothing makes sense. Nothing's gonna ever make <laughs> I sense. I had so many great ideas and they're impossible. Yep. Aaron, you, you see, the thing is that, like, what the show kind of does is that... They also- you, you, you know how You know how time... Is a flat is like, circle? Yeah, and like like we live in a, in a dimensional state where we can't perceive uh, outside of our dimensional state. And so what you have to understand is this show is bad. So Aaron. Yes, Kevin. Tell this episode, did you find yourself a CW moment? Did I find a CW moment? Did I find a moment where logic stared at those clacking balls for too long and then saw the specter of their dead brother slash inner shadow self drama? 
It did, and it was Betty not bringing the organ to the boys. <laughs> That's a pretty bad moment. Like, they're deciding that, oh, no, they don't need the organ. That's sacrificing logical character choices in favor of making her get captured. Find a better way to get her captured. And despite the fact that it is a plot point, it is makes no absolute sense as why she would not... She had it with her. She was literally holding... Did she just run out of Cheryl's room and just leave the kidney on the bed? I don't know. I I, I don't know. It makes no sense. She did She did the technique once and it worked. I don't know why she changed it being like, no, nah, they'll listen to me. Maybe it's because Cheryl was the only one who demanded proof. Betty, you're smarter Betty, than Betty, you're that. way smarter than that. And, like, even though hey, they've I been convinced, hypnotized... I, hey, yo, I totally convinced Cheryl to do this. So I don't need to prove it to anyone else. Like, it is it is a dumb moment from a very smart character. And I hate it. Yeah. Kevin, did you find a CW moment? Yeah, and it's it's at the beginning when they when they did that weird thing where they're like, Oh, Betty, you got them serial killer genes. <laughs> Which, not a thing. It didn't... I mean, yes, genes do affect how, like, brain functions work into mm-hmm. dopamine and things such as that, but... It, it doesn't make any sense of the fact that, okay, so so by by Alice saying it, they actually did do that. When she was eight, they actually did test her. Unless if they hypnotized Alice into believing that they tested her. Which is entirely possible. But why? You're already doing all of the, hey, hypnotism, we're going to make you think you're bad. Why also add in this moment where it's like, yeah, here's these sp- very specific genes. Well, they know that Betty is afraid that she does have an evil inside her. Yeah. So they're saying, oh yeah, objectively, scientifically, you do have an evil inside you. But it's such... All um, your fears are true. But it's such a moment that makes no sense and adds way too many questions. Like, so did they, did Alice know about this? And then they just like, like, like oh no, Alice, you know those genes that she had? Actually, some people call them the serial killer genes. And like, if she did have the genes, wouldn't you think that you're like, okay, our child is predisposed to antisocial behavior and it could either lead to depression or aggression maybe keep an eye on her maybe like when she starts to exhibit some signals maybe we'll get her into some therapy yeah it, it, it either makes alice a really like the like an even worse mom who's like hey your kid has genetic tendencies toward depression and alice was like well better push her with drugs let's give her lots of adderall and the fact it's never come up Hal hasn't told her? Like, Hal would tell her. Hal would be like, no, you see, it is in your genes, Betty. You're just like me. Which means the other option is that it did not happen, and they made her think it happened with hypnosis, but that also is a a weird thing to be like, all right, here's what we're going to do, Polly. We're going to make your mom think that she had your daughter tested in her genes, and she has these specific genes, which are the quote-unquote serial killer genes. And why does Polly want Betty to be a serial killer? Yeah, my, mine specifically the gene part. Like, I assume Polly has some reasoning and it's probably Edgar's. Yeah. 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 Well. They have one episode to make this mess into a <laughs> gift. Yeah. And and hey, we're going to be doing our, our questions at the end of this episode. So there are certainly some things we need to know the answers to. Everything. And we'll see how Everything. they how they do that. There was the thing also after um, Veronica did like, I won, Dad. He like holds onto the bars and shakes. I thought he would just like tear them right off. Well, they had to save their Hulk <laughs> juice for Cheryl. That's yeah, true. Uh, uh. Wow. Well, we got one more episode. We'll get back to that one next week. But if you like this... You should give us a rating or view subscription on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Google Play or wherever you find us. And tell us your theories. Use Twitter. 
put distill your theories <laughs> into 240 character, yeah. 280 characters. And just I, mm, podcast MOA, podcast MOA on Twitter, on Instagram, at Gmail, podcast jo- MOA, podcast MOA at gmail.com. I have no words, <laughs> but maybe you have words. And we'll see you next week for the finale of Riverdale Season 3. Is Jason Blossom alive? Why is the Black Hood working with the Gargoyle King? If Betty has serial killer genes, does Cheryl have Hulk genes? Like the stretchy ones. <laughs> For answers to all this and more, join us next week on Mystery Outsiders and Abs. A teen drama fan cast? <laughs>